Welcome to the Prairie City United Methodist Church Sermon Podcast. Here's the latest message from Pastor John Bailey. Today, as we get together, we are following that arc, right, of what we've been talking about for this whole fall going into Advent and going into Christmas time soon enough of what it means to be God's people, to be what is renamed as Israel, Israel, the ones that wrestle with God, the ones that wrestle with who God is and our exist. And we're in the midst of Advent this season, and we're talking about joy today. And as we think about what joy is, I was, um, I was thinking about a story I once heard um, and I want you to hear that and, and think about it yourselves. It was a story about this young, young person who was at the beach. They, the family had rented a cabin at the beach and they were staying at the beach and he took his bucket and he took his shovel and he took his rake and he took all that he needed down to the waterfront. Okay. And as his, his parents were reading books and his, his sisters were off uh, doing their own thing, he filled his bucket with sand and he packed it in tight and he was diligent to make it sure it was all the way around the edges, right? As he filled it up and the middle was strong and the foundation was there and he cleared off a space and he turned it upside down and he started his work and he built and built and built and enjoyed it. He had brought these little Lego figurines with him that were horses and knights and wizards because he was going to build this magical castle, this sand castle to play with. And he worked so hard and diligently. And what he came up with was this wonderful sand castle. He named it beautiful and perfect in every way. And he played with it. He took those little figurines and he went up and down it and in and out of it. And he had so much joy and happiness in that moment. And all of a sudden he felt the wind changing and the breeze coming. Next thing you know, he heard the crash of the waves. And wouldn't you believe it? The waves came in and they washed away that sandcastle. He was distraught. What is he to do now? But he picked himself up. He took a deep breath and he set back to work. Now, some other kids that were around saw him working and how much fun he was having and how much joy he was having and decided to go ahead and work with him. And they helped fill buckets and they brought more buckets and they made another castle. But all he could think about as he was making that other castle is the castle he had before. How do I build this to be the exact same castle that I had before the turrets in the right place and everything at the right scale and the bridge and everything that was around it? Because that brought me so much joy. What was there before, right? And he built And wouldn't you know, it didn't look the same because it never does. It was different. It was different grains of sand. It was a different time of day and everything was different. Different people had different understandings as the kids came to play and said, this should look like this and this should look like this. But he had happiness and it was enjoyable. And they played together with that until there was somebody an older kid 
who saw them playing and the joy that they were having. And wouldn't you know it felt left out and came and kicked it over, kicked it over. That little person who started the day so bright and cheerful now had despair. And he sat there, what shall I do? And he was about ready to cry when his family, his mom and his dad, his sisters saw him. And his family saw the need and came over and brought some buckets and filled up the buckets and made sure they were packed tight. And they worked with him and they built with him and the day continued on. And he felt that sense of joy once again. But this joy was different. It wasn't just about where the turrets were. And it wasn't just about building it exactly like it was before. It wasn't just about where he could place his horses and his knights and the little Lego figurines. But now it was about the shared experience of working with his family. And everything wasn't the same. It was different, but it was good. In this season that we are in, we talk about joy. Merry Christmas, right? Merry, enjoy your season, rejoice, rejoice, have joy again. We feel this season of joy. We hope for it to be a season of joy. We expect it to be a season of joy. But we also are reminded in the midst of this joy that there is this season that though we are here and we might have hearts that are full, there might always be this moment where we feel like there's something missing. Maybe it's the missing of family that has moved away, moved out, Maybe it's the missing of family that is disconnected or discouraged. Maybe it's the missing of somebody who has passed that is no longer with us and coming to the holidays reminds us of the joy that we shared with them. The moments that they were with us. One of my favorite moments is when I am in the midst of of counseling with a family after losing a loved one, I always ask him this question. What did this person bring or do or have around the holidays? Often you find if it was grandma or mother, it was a cookie or a pastry or a pie that they baked. If it was dad or if it was grandpa It was the way he joked around or something he did to set up the house. And I have this question then, who this next year, who is going to take that on? Who's going to take on that yoke for the rest of the family? Who's going to bake that pastry or make that cookie or tell those jokes or set up the house with all the trimmings so that everybody comes and can remember the joy that you shared together. 
This is a season of joy and we celebrate it. But we live a foot in both worlds. For we know that the happiness we share is not a happiness that everybody shares. For our, there are those that feel disconnected and discouraged in this time. Those that feel like their house has been taken down. We're in the midst of a season where we walk the line between what is and what is yet to come. We walk the line between what we think we had and what we know we are in right now and what we hope for, for the future. This is where the Israelites were. If you remember last week and the week before that arc I'm talking about, as we talk about the grand history, maybe you're not history buffs. Maybe you're not the ones that love to hear about history in the midst of a sermon, but it is so crucial and important when we talk about Ezra. It is the point of Ezra. For we see that we have gone from that point where they have been released out of the Exodus. They have found their own place. They have had their own people. They have been uh, made strong in numbers. And finally, they found the place of milk and honey. And finally, they found the place that they could call their own, the promised land. And then, and then, because it says as the prophets, because they turned away from righteousness, but also because other people in other countries saw the power and the might that they had and saw the wealth that they had, they were invaded first by Assyria and then by Babylon. And they were taken away from their promised land and they were kept from their promised land and they were, they left everything they had behind. And last week, remember the prophecy? You're going to be given back your land. But when you do give back your land and all the promises that come with it, don't forget your God. God that is gracious and loving and cares about you. And here in the midst of this scripture today, as the ark comes all the way down, we have almost a second exodus as they come out of the diaspora. You see, they're coming from this foreign land in, in Babylonia. And now Babylonia has become so weak that another country has come in, the Persians. First with Cyrus, who comes in. And as policies change, as people change, policies change. And we know that Cyrus is the first wave, the first wave of a different, theolo- a different philosophy of how you rule people. It's not about crushing them under your thumb and making sure they know that they are dirt ground into it and your power and might by killing and violence. Now, it's about getting tribute and loyalty and how you get loyalty as you let people go back to their land. You let them have their customs. You let them worship their gods. And this is what Cyrus does. He releases the people back to their land, their promised land. And when they come back, everything is destroyed. Nothing is as it was before. And they start to rebuild, refocus, renew. They come into the midst of that. 
and they know that there's something that used to be there. The action taken by Cyrus is interpreted as Yahweh, as God stirring the heart of the people. In fact, some believed because they got their stuff back and their land back. They thought that Cyrus was the Messiah. But there's something so much more going on. They come back half liberated as people who are restored, but not to reclaim the land alone, but to worship God. The land that they go back to is not fully theirs, but it does allow them to pay tribute to those that rule them. And they say, let's rebuild the temple. Rebuild the temple. They praised and gave thanks to the Lord, singing responsibly, responsively. He is good. His graciousness lasts forever. They had joy. And joy. But in the midst of that joy, in the midst of rebuilding the temple, it says the old. Now, this isn't to pick on those that are older, or as I like to say, well-seasoned, okay? This is simply to say those that remembered before. They saw the temple being built and the outline of the foundation and everything that was going to be put on it. And they wept. Those who had seen the first house wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this house, the temple of the Lord. Although many others shouted loudly with joy, no one could distinguish the sound of joyful shouting from weeping. From weeping. In the midst of the festival of booze, with the festival of booze, which was set up to honor God, to glorify God for every generosity and graciousness that they had known in the last year. In the midst of that, those who came who knew the temple before and how it was before, they wept. They wept so loudly that those who were partying those who were rejoicing, those who were playing music with the harp and the lyre, and those who had this big, huge block party, you couldn't hear the difference between the two noises. They were equally loud. In the midst of this, we know we walk those two lines of what we have, of what we had and what we are going to have. We know in the midst of this, it speaks to something about the difference between happiness and joy. Nostalgia is an interesting word. Do you know that? Nostalgia, we think of nostalgia as this word that means this wonderful feeling that we get inside, right? I was sitting on my couch today, and I think it was last Sunday or the Sunday before that, I talked about, it was the Sunday before that, 
that I talked about our family going out and getting a Christmas tree every year, right? And we march out, we get the Christmas tree and I was sitting on my couch and we had strung it with lights and we had put decorations on it. And I will tell you that it looks so beautiful. I could see the light hang, like gleaming through the branches and I know it will stick with me. But I was remembering in the midst of that, that it's not just a tree. It reminds me of Christmases and that I've had before and Christmases before the, I even knew my wife and my children and well into my childhood and well into knowing my grandparents and, and knowing all the family get togethers there is that tree represents something that is no longer here for the one thing we can't stop is time. It keeps ticking away. And nostalgia is an interesting thing. We think of it as a good thing, but it actually comes from a Greek understanding. A word, nostros, homecoming, an alga, pain. It was in the, early, in the late night eight, excuse me, the late 1600s when the Swiss medical student Jonas Hoffer noticed a pattern in his patients who were living far from home. Those who were obsessed with returning to their estranged locations became physically, sometimes fatally sick. To reflect on this phenomenon, he coined the medical term nostalgia. It was a medical term. And they used to put people in the hospital for it. In 1688, which, as I said, was created by combining the Greek words nostos and alga, homecoming in pain. But today, maybe we think more nostalgia is a sentimentality for the past. Nostalgia is associated with the yearning for the past, its personalities and events, especially the good old days. How many times, if we could just go back to when it was better, to make it back when it was great. A time in which we felt safe or we thought we had happiness. But the interesting thing about nostalgia is in the midst of that, that yearning for something that was that no longer is, we often forget about the time we even are thinking about. We think about the good stuff and the great stuff, but often we forget about the, the hardships. And more importantly, we forget about the hard work that people went in to make that wonderful time. The people that trimmed the tree, the people that put the lights on, the people that cooked the cookies and baked the goods the people that made the smiles and welcomed the people, the people that shared the joy and talked to anybody who came in their contact and shared a word of generosity. The people's hearts in that time. And we forget about that hard work, but we yearn for something. We yearn for something more. There is a difference between joy and happiness. There is a difference between this understanding of what it means to have what we want and what we need. And what it means to have joy in our deep hearts. 
I love what the video there was from Stanley Hauerwas, a theologian in the Anabaptist tradition, a theologian, writer, professor, who talks about joy, enjoying God. He says that it is that connection that we have with others. So important. Joy and happiness are wonderful feelings to experience. They are so different. Joy is consistent and is cultivated internally. It comes when you make peace with who you are and why you are and how you are. Whereas happiness tends to be externally triggered and is based on other people, things, places, thoughts, and events. Very simply, happiness is something that is done to us. Joy is something that is cultivated through us. And I would contend that if we are to know who we are, what we're about, we must first know who God is in the midst of our lives. I think that's what Stanley Hauerwas is talking about when he says to enjoy God. That sense of joy cultivated. The idea holds that today happiness depends on the external factors to exist. (laughs) Happiness happens to us, even though we may seek it, desire it, pursue it, etc. and etc. Feeling happiness is not a choice we make. Joy, on the other hand, Joy, on the other hand, is a choice purposely made. Joy is an attitude of the heart and the spirit presented inside of us us as we untap a reservoir of potential goodness. Joy requires a connection, not just with ourselves, but with those around us. And often that connection is with other people that we are with in our ability to be creative. Joy is present in the moments. Happiness is mostly passed through. So as we think about this, we know in this season that there are those people that go out into the world and they present a smile on their face. Merry Christmas. Be happy. But this season is about joy. It's about recognizing that everything doesn't have to be perfect. Some things are askew in the world. Some things aren't right. We say it the first two Sundays, and we sing about it, and we hope for a time when everything is put in its place, and that God is able to bring peace on earth and goodwill to all persons. But we know it's not there yet. And that's not said to bring anybody down, but to realize that we talk about joy in the midst of that because it is a choice that we make as followers of Jesus Christ. Not to look to the past and 
lifted up as if it was the best time ever and the only time ever. But to realize that this joy that we speak of is about taking time to remember who we are and whose we are. Not to put on a mask, to hide it behind a smile, but to remember that we are smiling because we have a deep sense of who we are and whose we are. We go out into the world and we remember that in everything we do, in everything we say, in everything we miss, and we cultivate it in ourselves. So what do I mean by cultivating I mean it cultivating it by taking time to reflect on where your heart is and where your, your head is, your, where your intuition is and what you're thinking and quieting that chatter in your mind that says that everything is going astray. Joy, as Stanley Hauerwas says, is the opposite of nihilism. Did you hear that? Nihilism is that belief that there is no purpose in life. It doesn't matter. That nothing matters. Not one thing, but joy says everything matters. Both the good that happens to us and those things that we try to run away from. Both the things that we want to lean into and those things that challenge us in our very core. Both the abundant. And here's the beauty. The loss. The loss matters. Joy is that ability to be mindful and allow ourselves to listen closely to our heart and allow ourselves to be thankful for what we have had, for what we currently have, and thankful for what God will give us in the future. It is that time of meditation, but it's also that time where we reallocate what influences us. And maybe it means that we look around at the world And we say that those things that influence us in a negative way that we let go of. Those things that might be in our life that heavily influence us by what we should like, do, have, buy, be. We forget that seldom they're not always what they seem. Sometimes this means that we need to limit our social media connection that seems to paint a picture that anything that somebody posts is perfect and that the lives behind those posts are perfect too. That everything that somebody eats looks beautiful and must taste beautiful as well. That everything something somebody does is with a smile and happiness and that their homes are filled with wonderful gifts that bring them happiness. That they're always doing exciting things. If we're looking at those things and the interpretation is that we're supposed to take on that mask as well, maybe we should limit that because that's not true joy. That's an external thing placed upon us that will eventually eat at us 
It does not provide deep connection. Taking time to cultivate gratitude is an essential part of joy. Wherever possible and even have gratitude for the things that challenge you as these help you grow and build strength. This also helps to define what brings you joy and what doesn't. Celebrate and recognize these aspects of your day that challenge you. For it is a blessing to be challenged. It's a blessing to grow. It's a, gr- it's a blessing to see things from maybe a different perspective and to learn what it means to walk in somebody else's shoes. That is a blessing. To be gracious for that. Embracing the simple and recognizing things with gratitude produces trust and creates in us a reliance on the community around us. A reliance that goes deep. Rumi says, when you do things from your soul, you feel a river moving in you, a joy. Joy is from the depths of who we are. And it takes time to cultivate it. And it takes practice to cultivate it. And it takes intentionality to cultivate it. But here's the beauty of it is that we do not do it alone. But as the people of God, we know that we are there to walk beside people, to be with them. Even if it is in this season that they feel diminished and discouraged. Maybe they felt a big loss. Our job as a community of Christ is not just to paint a smile on our faces and go out into the world and say everything is fine and everything is in its place, but rather to go and support people and tell them that they have a God that loves them and cares for them. Even in the midst of pain and sorrow, even when things aren't as they were before, even when the first castle and the second castle are knocked down and trampled by life, things will be okay. To take time to say you're not alone. This is true joy. The connection we share with others and with our God. Thanks for listening. To the Prairie City United Methodist Church Sermon Podcast. If you enjoyed the message you just heard, feel free to share it with a friend. And if you're ever in the Prairie City, Iowa area, we'd love for you to join us for a service. They're held every Saturday night at 6 and Sunday mornings at 9. For directions or to learn more about the church, go to facebook.com slash pciowaumc. That's facebook.com slash PCIowaUMC. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.